In this video, we are going over the foot Jueyin liver channel. As always, the way we go about this is we start by going over the general functions and characteristics of the liver channel, because if we know how the liver channel is supposed to work, that will give us some clues as to what these points can do for us. Then we're going to go over the channel pathways, including the primary channel, Lul connecting channel, sinew channel, divergent channel, and all of those pathways. And again, knowing the pathways of the channel is going to help us understand the functions of some of these points. And then we're going to go over the individual point functions and indications. So that's the plan for today. If you want to follow along with the slides, those are available on the website. There's a link in the description below to download them. But let's go ahead and get started with the foot Jueyin liver channel. So as always, when we start with uh, any channel, I always like to start with this quote from chapter eight of the Su Wen. This is the, the place where each organ is assigned a government office. And here we're using the translations from Wang Juyi's Applied Channel Theory. So for the liver, chapter eight of the Su Wen says, the liver holds the office of general and is the issuer of strategy and planning. So when we think about the liver, we can think about a general commanding the troops, uh, the general giving orders and telling people where to go. So if our liver is good and in harmony, we can think about a general who's firm and resolute, but also uh, relaxed and quiet, that even though, if there's all this chaos going around, he's able to keep his composure and give orders and have a proper plan and strategy of what to do and has the courage to follow through with those plans. On the other hand, if our liver is a little bit out of order, maybe a, a better picture would be like a drill sergeant, someone who's angry, shouting, barking orders, um, and just uh, maybe not so much in control, but someone who's always angry and shouting. And so that's a little bit uh, more of a disharmonious liver. So when we say the liver holds the office of general, on the one hand, we can think of this in terms of our patients. So you might have a patient who comes in and he, he or she is maybe angry. They like to give you orders. Sometimes you'll have a patient who dictates the treatment to you. They say, I want this point here and this point here. And they have a shouting voice. They're very angry. Um, sometimes you have people that they like to have a plan but they're not very flexible when those plans change. Or sometimes you have people who just have no plan and they're unable to plan or strategize. So on the one hand, we can think of that in terms of our patients. If you see a person like this, that's a, they come in like a general commanding the troops, you might think, oh, this person is a liver person. I might want to address some issues on the liver channel. If we have a patient that comes in that they're either, they're unable to make plans, they're unable to follow through with their plans, or on the other side, their, their plans are very rigid and they're unable to be flexible. We might say, oh, this is a liver type of thing. Remember that liver belongs to the wood phase. And when we say wood, we actually mean a tree. So when a tree is healthy, it's supposed to be 
uh, green and flexible and bends very easily in the wind but does not break. When our tree is unhealthy, then instead of bending, it just snaps. So that's what we want to think about too is do they have this flexibility in their planning and strategizing or, all, or are they just rigid and if things don't go to plan, they fall apart. So on the one hand, we can think about that in terms of our patients, but we can also think about this as in the actual liver, the functions of the liver. The liver is a general, so one of the things a general has to do is manage its resources. So the liver is managing its great reserves of yin blood. The liver is also giving orders and commanding the troops, telling the qi and blood where to go. So this relates to its function of governing free coursing. So the liver is governing that free coursing all over the body and has an effect on all the organs and that's part of its strategy and planning as well. So, so those are some of the things we're going to see pop up here when we talk about the characteristics of the liver channel. Um, oh yeah, I like to think of like, I have a lot of Mulan in here, so think about General, General Shang. Uh, a strong, resolute, commanding the troops, but also having a plan and managing his resources. So when we look at the functions of the liver, uh, one, one major function we always think of is the liver stores blood. So how is this going to come up in the points? Well, we can basically anything that has to do with the blood is, is going to be related to the liver. So we can think about this in terms of tonifying blood invigorating blood and preventing blood stagnation or clearing blood heat. All of these things are related to the liver because the liver stores blood and manages those resources. What this also means is the liver blood is going to be very much connected to the chong, the ren, and menses. So when we go through these points, we're going to see a lot of regulating menstruation. This could be delayed menses, prolonged menses, Uterine bleeding, when we say uterine bleeding, we might mean profuse menses, prolonged menses, the cycle, the bleeding lasts more than seven days. We could mean spotting between periods. Uh, we could mean painful menses, things like that. Just because that's blood, the liver stores the blood, we're going to turn to points on the liver channel to treat some of those conditions. We also say that the liver spreads qi or maintains free flow. Sometimes we say that the liver governs free coursing, and this is about regulating and moving the qi. Sometimes we say that the liver governs orderly reaching, that the qi has to reach all the areas of the body, and it's the liver that has that spreading and reaching function. Another more Chinese way maybe to say it is that the liver is in charge of dredging draining, and regulating, that the liver dredges, drains, and regulates. And what do we mean by dredging the qi? Well, maybe you can remember that when we talked about the channels, one of the analogies we used was irrigation ditches. We said the channels are like rivers or irrigation ditches that are supp supplying water to the fields or supplying nutrients to the organs of the body. Well, it turns out that if you want to have your irrigation ditches to work all the time, you need someone in charge of maintaining those irrigation ditches, and we, sometimes we need to dredge them out, that we need to make sure that the irrigation ditches are free and clear so that the water can move through them. And so this is the function of the liver. By dredging the channels, it's maintaining the channels and maintaining free flow 
Just like if you had a bunch of irrigation ditches, it suddenly gets stuck. Somebody's got to go out there and dig it out and make sure everything can run clear. That's what the liver is doing when we say it spreads qi, maintains free flow, or dredges and drains the channels. So when this comes up, we're going to see a lot of liver points that have something to do with qi stagnation and making sure that the qi is free flowing. So we're going to see a lot of points that have to do with pain, distension, and just ensuring free flow through the channels. And this is not just about the liver. This is not just about we have our classic liver qi stagnation signs like frequent sighing, rib side distension, propensity towards anger. Yes, those are liver qi stagnation signs. But this also applies to the other organs. The liver has a job of maintaining free flow of qi so that the other organs can do their job. And this is going to come up with things like the stomach. If things aren't uh, freely coursing through the stomach, they can get stuck and we can end up with rebellious stomach qi. This is also going to be really big with the bladder, that by governing free coursing and maintaining free flow, this is going to help with transformation in the bladder. And what this means in terms of our points is we're going to see a lot of points that have to do with urination problems, that difficult urination, painful urination, retention of urine. And that has to do with the liver's ability to maintain free flow so that the UB can do its job. So it's not just about liver qi stagnation, but also the other organs as well. We say that the liver is related to the sinews in terms of the tissues. Each of, each of our organs is related to one of the tissues. We say uh, the lung governs the skin and body hair and so on. The heart governs the blood and vessels. Well, the liver, we say the liver governs the sinews. The liver dominates the sinews. Or here we can say the liver nourishes the sinews or the tendons. And so here, maybe you can think of um, in order for our muscles and tendons to work, they have to be properly nourished by the liver blood. If the liver fails in its function of nourishing the sinews or nourishing the tendons, they can get dried up. Think about maybe like a rubber band that's really nice. It's going to be stretchy and flexible. If your rubber band dries out, it's no longer stretchy and flexible. It's more like it's brittle and it breaks. So again, we're going to see this come up in the points in terms of things like hypertonicity of the sinews, spasm and contraction, inhibiting bending and flexing of the joints, and things like that. Then we also talk about the nails just because the we say the nails are the surplus of the sinews. And so that's another way we often use this diagnostically that if a person has weak brittle nails or they have ridges on the nails, that could be an indication, an external indication that the liver is not properly nourishing the sinews. So I'm not sure I'm not sure if that comes up in our points, but we that is something we do talk about diagnostically is asking the person, do you have strong nails or brittle nails? Are there ridges on the nails? And that is related to the liver dominating the sinews. We also say the liver opens to the eyes. Again, each of the five organs is associated with a sense organ. So the kidney goes to the ears, blah, blah, blah. Here, the liver opens to the eyes. Um, it's when the, when the eyes are properly nourished by the liver, the eyes are able to perceive the five colors. So it's something like that in the Neijing. What's this, what's this going to mean for us is, one, that the liver blood has to properly nourish the eyes. So if liver blood is not properly nourishing the eyes, we can get things like 
blurred vision, cloudy vision, reduced vision. What this also means is if we have heat in the liver channel, sometimes this heat can rise up into the face and affect the eyes and we can get red eyes, itchy eyes, things like that. So that's something we're gonna see as we go through these points is we're gonna have certain points on the liver channel that benefit the eyes, either treat dry, red, itchy eyes or help with vision problems by nourishing with liver blood. And then finally say that the uh, function of the liver is the liver stores the hun or the ethereal soul. The liver soul stores the hun. What is the hun? Well, we can say a couple things about it. Um, there is a section of this, again, in Wang Juyi's Applied Channel Theory. He has a, a nice section on what do we mean by the hun. Sometimes when we talk about the hun, we're talking about uh, that aspect of the spirit that manifests as courage, that the, the will to follow through on your plans. So again, we said that the liver governs strategy and planning. So it's one thing to have a plan, a plan of action, a plan of things you want to do, but then you need the courage to back it up and follow through. And again, there's a balance here. If you don't have enough courage, we talk about uh, timidity, and this is something that comes up with both the liver and the gallbladder, that we talk about courage versus timidity, that with if there's not enough chi, the person would be timid, and they don't have enough gall, they don't have enough guts, they don't have enough gumption to follow through. On the other hand, if you have too much courage, that's, that's going to result in rashness or overconfidence or charging in even though your plan doesn't really work. So that's one aspect of the hun. When we say uh, the liver stores the hun, we can be talking about courage. Another aspect, um, just one that comes up maybe a little more practically in the clinic, is basically this is a way we can explain the liver involvement in conditions like insomnia. Normally when we talk about insomnia, we're talking about the heart shen, that the heart has to house the shen, the shen has to come home to the heart and be relaxed in order for us to fall asleep. And so a lot of our liver or a lot of our insomnia patterns involve the heart. Well, it turns out we have the same thing with the liver and the hun, that the hun has to come home to the liver and be relaxed. Otherwise, we can't fall asleep. So sometimes if a person has trouble sleeping, you might say, oh, your hun, your ethereal soul is out wandering around. And this is just a convenient way to explain why certain insomnia conditions we're going to treat the liver instead of the heart has to do with the hun or the ethereal soul. Some other characteristics we can talk about is we can say the liver corresponds to the wood phase and to wind. So again, liver corresponds to wood. And when we say wood, don't think of like a piece of lumber or a, piece or a two by four that you build your house out of. The character here is mu, which means wood, but also means tree. So think about the liver as a tree. What do trees go? What do trees do? One, they grow upwards. So the liver has a rising action. The trees grow upward and then they spread their branches out. So the liver has an upward direction, but it's also supposed to spread things outwards into the limbs. Also, wood is supposed to be, like we said, flexible and bendy, that if the wind comes along, it bends but doesn't break. If the liver is deficient or out of balance, maybe it loses its flexibility. So your sinews, instead of being pliable and flexible, become stiff and brittle. 
um, or emotionally, instead of being flexible and uh, going with the winds of life emotionally, we can't, we lose that flexibility. And then in terms of the evils, the wood phase corresponds to wind in terms of the five or six evils. And so again, we're going to see this come up in the points that we go to the liver to treat a lot of wind conditions, especially if you have liver heat or liver yang rising that can stir up internal wind. If we have liver blood deficiency, that can make room for the wind to blow through the vessels. So this is another thing we're going to see in our points, um, talking about internal wind, spasm, contraction, tremor, shaking, epilepsy, wind stroke, and things like that. So those are some things we're going to see pop up when we look at the functions and indications of points on the liver channel. And like we said, the liver is like a tree. Trees grow upward, so the liver governs uprising. But again, what can be a problem here is that we can have hyperactive uprising, that the liver can rise excessively, and so we get liver heat, liver yang rising. So again, when we look at our points, we might see certain conditions, with, especially with heat, that liver chi rises up and we get symptoms in the upper body or in the face, uh, dizziness, red eyes, blurred vision, headache, that this, there's just too much yang rising upward and we need to calm it down or subdue that yang. So that's another thing we're going to see when we look at these point functions of indica and indications, things going on in the head where we need to subdue that liver yang rising. And then in terms of the emotions, the liver is associated with Anger. Again, we said the wood is about um, strategy and planning, but it's also the emotion is anger and the sound is shouting. So if somebody is angry and shouting, you might think this is a liver condition. But when we say anger, there are also some other offshoots of anger. So we say irritability, frustration, resentment. Those are all also... Um, we can say those are different uh, subcategories of anger, but they'll have the same effect as that they can cause constraint of the chi, that the liver is supposed to govern free coursing. If you, um, if you feel a lot of anger, frustration, and resentment, that can stagnate your chi, or it can happen the other way around. If something happens and your chi starts to stagnate, then you might be more susceptible to outbursts of anger, frustration, resentment. Another one that comes up, depression, weepiness, and mood swings. I feel like this is one that's often overlooked. That usually when we have people coming in with depression, it's very easy to think of the heart or the kidneys, or we can think about grief with the lungs. A lot of people overlook the role of the liver, that when the liver is governing free coursing and properly coursing the chi, we'll have uh, calmer emotions, whereas depression, when you have chi stagnation or depressed liver chi, as your liver chi is pressed down, we might feel emotional depression. And then we have things like weepiness and mood things. Um, maybe this isn't very nice to say, but think about like PMS type sim uh, symptoms where, uh, again, menstruation is very closely related to the liver. And so if that liver is not free coursing, we can have this moodiness, irritability, easy to snap at people, easy to swing from anger to sadness or weepiness, and that may be a sign that the liver is not properly free coursing. And so that might be a situation where we want to turn to points on the liver channel for treatment. So now that we understand the, some of the functions and characteristics of the liver, let's go ahead and look at the pathways of the channel. So again, knowing that where these channels go, 
are gonna help us understand what these points can do for us. And it's gonna help us understand why they do what they do. What We can make more sense of the functions and indications if we know where the channel actually goes. So we always start by looking at the primary channel. So the primary channel begins at liver one, which is the hairy region of the big toe. So on the top of the big toe. Remember our linkage from the previous channel was gallbladder 41 to liver one. So uh, the gallbladder channel goes down the foot and goes to the fourth toe. But uh, the chi doesn't jump from toe to toe usually, that's not a thing. So instead, the gallbladder channel goes down and at GB41 on the dorsum of the foot, there's a branch that goes over to the big toe to liver one. And that's our linkage from the gallbladder to the liver channel. And then the liver channel begins at liver one on the hairy region of the big toe. So this is a... Think about hobbit feet. We got some, some hairy big toes and that's where the liver channel starts. Uh, the liver channel goes up the top of the foot and then goes up the inside of the leg. Liver one, two, three, four on the top of the foot. And then we're going on the medial aspect of the leg with liver five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, and then what's interesting happens is the liver channel goes to the inguinal crease and then it winds around the external genitalia. So sometimes we say the liver channel wraps around the external genitals, winds around the external genitals, or skirts the external genitals. Uh, that's, the, that's the one I like, as we say the liver channel skirts the genitals. And so again, this is gonna be really important because you might not see a lot of points around there, but when we go through our functions and indications, we're gonna see a lot of benefiting the genitals, uh, treating itchiness, swelling, stuff like that, things of the external genitals. And then it goes up the abdomen where we're talking uh, kind of right around the Ren channel right here. So we see this uh, part of the channel that's in the lower abdomen. And so again, we said the liver has a lot to do with lower jowl problems, either urination problems or menstruation problems because we have that part of the channel at the lower abdomen around the umbilicus and below the umbilicus. And then it goes up the abdomen and it curves around the stomach and enters the liver and gallbladder organs. Remember we said that every channel enters its own organ and its yin-yang pair via an internal pathway. And so that's what's happening here is we have an internal pathway going to its own organ, the liver, and its yin-yang pair, the gallbladder. What we want to pay attention to is does the channel enter any other organs? So here, it not only enters the liver and gallbladder, because that's the yin-yang pair, also goes to the stomach organ. So we're gonna see that there are certain points on the liver channel that are very good for stomach issues. And again, this is related to our free coursing. We need free coursing through the stomach in order for, to digest our food and have the stomach down bear the food into the small intestine. If we lose that free coursing, things get stuck and it, that stomach chi rebels back upward, giving us things like hiccup, belching, nausea, vomiting, and other types of rebellious stomach chi. So that might be important to know that the liver channel enters the stomach. Then it passes through the diaphragm, spreads over the lateral costal region. So this is going to be a very common term we're going to see up whenever see come up whenever we talk about the liver. Whether we're in acupuncture and herbs, we see a lot of hypochondriac pain, pain in the lateral costal region, rib side distension, and this is just because the liver channel 
goes to that area. Sometimes the way that this comes up clinically is, you know, I've never had a lot of patients come in and say, oh, I feel some distension in my lateral costal region, or oh, I feel this flank pain. Some of the ways this is going to come up is you might say, um, see, the patient has difficulty taking a deep breath, as in uh, they can't expand their ribs in order to take a full breath because they have this rib side distension, because there's stuckness in their liver channel. They can't expand the ribs to take a full breath. Or another thing, another symptom we talk about is frequent sighing, that when a person sighs, they go, when you make that sigh, what's happening is your ribs are expanding and then contracting. It's like you're trying to move that chi through the liver channel. It's like you're trying to shake off that stagnation that's happening in the rib sides by doing this sigh to get things moving. And so sometimes you'll have a patient that comes in that every time you ask them a question, it'll be like, how's your sleep? Like, it's all right. Oh, how's your energy? It could be better. So that, that's kind of an interesting thing that sometimes we have uh, on our clinic chart notes. They'll be asked, they'll try to ask the patient, do you have frequent sighing? People who sigh frequently usually don't realize that they're sighing frequently. But if you observe the patient, sometimes you'll notice that they do a lot of sighing. And so this could be a sign of uh, stagnation in the liver channel because the liver channel goes to those rib sides. You send then say it ascends along the posterior aspect of the throat. So again, when we look at the functions and indications of these points, we're going to see a lot of throat conditions, either swollen throat, throat pain, or plum pit chi, this feeling that you have something stuck in your throat that can't be swallowed. And again, if we just looked at the, the external channel, you'd be like, oh, liver channel goes up to the leg and stops at liver 14. How does this treat the throat? Why do, can we use points on the liver channel to treat the throat? Well, it's because the internal pathway does go to the throat. So again, we're going to see certain types of throat problems, usually due to liver chi stagnation or heat in the liver channel, because that's where the channel goes. Um, it also goes up to the nasopharynx, uh, stuff in the nose, and then goes up to the eye and connects to the eye system. So again, we said the tissue of the liver or the sense organ of the liver is the eyes. So we're going to see that points on the liver channel can treat certain eye issues, especially dry eyes, red eyes, itchy eyes. When we have too much heat, too much yang rising upward into the head, that can rise up into the eyes and dry them out. And then this is interesting. It connects to the vertex at do 20. So it goes all the way up to the vertex. So we might see things like vertex headache. And again, we have this, if we have this chi rising up, it can rise up into the head and rise all the way up to the vertex. We might want to needle some points on the lower body to draw that chi back downward, draw that heat and yang rising back downward to get things out of the head. And then we have some branches. Um, for some reason, Deadman says this is, I always thought it just went up and then wrapped around the lips and then kept going, but he says this is a separate branch that descends from the eye. But anyway, the, we have a branch that runs down from the eye system into the cheeks and curves around the inner surface of the lips. And so this is important. 
Um, we've had a few channels before that wrap around the lips, so this is always a good thing to know about things that wrap around the lips. So uh, both of the Yang Ming channels, we had the uh, stomach channel wraps around the lip, we had the large intestine channel wraps around the lips, uh, liver channel specifically wrapping around the interior surface of the lips, I think we said. I think also maybe the Ren channel wraps around the lips and possibly uh, part of the Dew channel as well. But again, this means we're going to be able to treat things in the lips. This is especially, I think this is especially useful when we talk about, um, it's very common for women to have skin issues or breakouts around the lips, especially with uh, centered around menses. So that's sometimes a condition either during or right before menses that you'll have female patients that say, oh, I break out on my face around the lips. And basically when things happen in time with a period, it's usually a pretty good sign that we can blame the liver channel, that there's some stagnation or heat. Maybe that heat is in the liver channel itself. Maybe that heat is going into the Yangming channel. But again, knowing that the liver channel wraps around the lips is gonna be useful for us uh, diagnostically and in treatment. So the way some people remember this is liver lips, liver lips. The liver goes to the lips. So L-I-V, L-I-P, the liver goes to the lips. Now me being me, when we say the liver goes to the lips, it's like, yes, the liver goes to the lips on your face. But remember, we also said that the liver skirts the external genitalia. So for me, being who I am, when I say the liver goes to the lips, I'm like, that means two things. So the liver uh, encircles the lips, also goes to the external genitals. So that might be useful to know. And then we have a branch from the liver that runs through the diaphragm and connects to the lung. So again, when we talk about our organ connection, it not only goes to its own organ as the yin-yang pair, liver gallbladder, it also goes to the stomach and also goes to the lung. And so again, we might see some lung symptoms. I believe the liver and lung also have a relationship along the ke cycle or the controlling cycle in the five phases. So sometimes that's something that happens. We have liver rebelling against lung, but we also see it here that we have a liver channel that goes to the lung and uh, it goes to the lung channel. And so this is how uh, we get to the next channel and the cycle complete. So remember our uh, sequence of channels, uh, lung, large intestine, stomach, spleen, heart, SI, UB, kidney, pericardium, sanjiao, gallbladder, liver, and then back to lung. So when you have liver going back to the lung, it's going through this branch. So our linkage to the next channel is liver 14 to lung one through that, kind of through that branch. And again, just to reiterate, our organs entered are the liver, gallbladder, and stomach. So what are some takeaways with this channel pathway? Well, again, I think some things we should pay attention to is one that the liver goes to the genitals and skirts the genitals. So we're going to see a lot of urogenital issues, either... Um, Stuff with the genitals as in itching, swelling, pain, swollen testicles, uh, leucorrhea, vaginal discharge, but then also problems with urination, difficult urination, painful urination, Lynn syndrome, retention of urine. And then, with, then that channel also goes in that lower jowl area around REN2, so we're going to see a lot of menstruation issues, uterine bleeding, painful menses. 
Again, like I said, the, the liver goes to the rib side, so we have that rib side distension. It also goes around the breast area. So that's another thing we can look for is breast distension, especially happening before the period. And so that's kind of a gold gold sign uh, when you know, when you have a patient complain of breast distension before menses. That's probably a good sign that we're dealing with some liver chi stagnation. And then again, liver goes to the lips and to the eyes and vertex. We're going to see that come up quite a bit. And this might be kind of weird, but when we get to the liver channel, one of the things I think of is herpes. And that might sound kind of weird, but it just kind of helps me put everything together because when you talk about herpes, we can have genital herpes. And when you have genital herpes, we usually think of that as damp heat in the liver channel because the liver channel goes around the genitals. Uh, we can have oral herpes and like cold sores on, on the lips or especially on the inside of the lips. And that makes me think of damp heat in the liver channel. And then we can also think about like shingles or herpes zoster. That's usually something that happens along the rib sides. And um, again, we might diagnose that as damp heat or heat toxicity in the liver channel because that's where the liver goes. So it's like whatever kind of herpes you got, whether it's HSV1, HSV2 or herpes zoster, might be a good chance you could go to the liver channel for treatment. So that's kind of a, a weird thing I think of that maybe normal people wouldn't think that way. And then um, maybe another thing we should say that I didn't mention yet is hernia and Shawn disorder because the liver channel goes to the inguinal area, goes to the lower abdomen, wraps around the genitals. That's another thing we're going to see a lot of is hernia, hernia pain, inguinal hernia or abdominal hernia and something we call Shawn disorder and the mounting, or, mounting disorder. Um, and that's basically hernia-like pain due to cold in the liver channel. So that's another thing we're going to see come up quite a bit on these point functions and indications. So we look at the pathologies of the liver channel. These are the pathologies that come from CAM. Usually we, these come up on tests a lot, so it's good to know. But most of these should make sense. So we start out with low back pain and fullness in the chest. I'm going to be honest. To me, low back pain sounds a little bit weird because when we looked at that channel, it doesn't really go to the low back. But it turns out when we do look at these point functions and indications, we're going to see a lot of lumbar pain, low back pain, difficulty twisting. And I'm just going to say that has something to do with the function of governing free coursing. And so maybe that's a way you can think of it. We also said fullness in the chest because that's where the liver channel goes. Pain in the lower abdomen because the channel skirts the genitals. And then we have that branch of the abdomen or branch of the channel uh, below the umbilicus. Uh, so pain in the lower abdomen. Again, we're going to see a lot of genitourinary and menses type things. And hernia because the liver channel goes to the inguinal area, goes to the lower abdomen. We'll see a lot of hernia pain coming up when we talk about the liver channel. Vertex headache, dryness in the throat and lips, because we have that branch that goes up the throat, goes up to the eye system, and goes up to the vertex, so we can treat disorders in that area. And this is an interesting one. Hiccup, enuresis, and dysuria. So hiccup and urination problems. Again, this has to do with the liver's function of governing free coursing, not just for the liver, but for all of the organs. So if the liver fails in free coursing, the stomach 
chi is not going to move, so it's going to rebel back upwards, giving us hiccup. If the liver is not free coursing, then the bladder is going to have trouble with its transformation. So we're going to get urination problems, enuresis, dysuria, painful urination, things like that. And then mental disturbance, just because we need our chi to be free flowing. Again, we can talk about the liver with anger, depression, and things like that. So that is the liver primary channel. The secondary channels are pretty straightforward. So when we talk about the liver lul connecting channel, remember all lul connecting channels start at the lul connecting point. So in this case, that is liver five. So the, the lul connecting channel separates or branches off at liver five. Remember we said that all lul connecting channels connect to their yin yang pair. So we see that the uh, liver lul connecting channel connects with the gallbladder channel, it's yin yang pair. Then as for its pathway, the liver channel ascends the leg and goes to the genitals. So again, we have skirting the genitals or going to the genitals or wrapping around the genitals. We're gonna see a lot of genitals in the liver channel. And then uh, in the Neijing, there are excess and deficiency symptoms associated with each of the lower channels. So for liver lower deficiency, we have sudden itching of the genitals. And for excess in the liver low, we have priapism or persistent erection. So the liver is associated with the wood. So if you got excess in your low, you got too much wood. So we can think about the liver low channel. Liver divergent channel looks very similar. This one uh, diverges. Remember, each uh, divergent channel diverges or separates from the primary channel. So here, the liver divergent channel separates or diverges on the dorsum of the foot. We don't say exactly where, but somewhere on the top of the foot. And then basically, it ascends to the pubic region and then uh, converges with the gallbladder channel. That's again, we said every divergent channel, after it separates, it then uh, converges with the yang paired primary channel. So the, the liver diversion channel converges with the gallbladder primary channel. So this, this divergent channel is not very exciting. I feel like when we've looked at other divergent channels, it's like, oh, they diverge and then they enter deep into the body and they connect to organs and then they reemerge. Liver divergent channel separates at the foot, goes to the genitals, not very exciting. We look at the liver sinew channel, looks very similar. The liver sinew channel originates on the big toe, where, about where liver one is. Uh, goes up to the ankle, we have this binding or knotting at the ankle, it goes up to knee, binds or knots at the knee, and then it goes up to the genitals. And so we have pathologies like strained big toe, because that's, you know, liver one. Um, dysfunction of the genitals. Inability to have an erection, retraction of the genitalia, and or a persistent erection priapism. So either too much erection or not enough erection. So I think kind of the point here is these like these channels all pretty much look the same. I think kind of the point here is each of these channels goes to the genitals or the pubic region. So we have liver low channel goes up to the genitals and stops. Liver divergent channel goes up to the genitals and stops. Even the liver sinew channel goes up to the genitals and stops. And our liver's primary channel uh, didn't stop it, wrapped around or skirted the external genitalia. 
So this is going to be a pretty good sign that, again, we're going to deal with a lot of genital issues when it comes to the liver channel. So, and maybe we should not just say genital issues, we should say lower jiao issues. So issues with the genitals, issues with urination, and issues with menstruation. We're going to see a lot of, uh, when we go through these point functions, we're going to see a lot of benefits the lower jiao. So let's go ahead and get into the point functions. So now that we know the functions and characteristics of the liver, now that we know the pathways of the liver channel, we can finally get into the functions and indications of the point. And hopefully these functions and indications will make a lot more sense now that we know those general functions and characteristics, now that we know those channel pathways, and then we're going to combine it with our knowledge of the point categories and hopefully everything will make sense. Or maybe not, because our, our point, we're going to see our point categories here are a little bit weird. They're a little bit unusual, so that may or may not help us. But anyway, starting with the points, we're starting with liver one. Liver one is on the lateral side of the big toe, point one tun from the corner of the nail. That's like all Jingwell points are on the fingers and toes, uh, point one soon from the corner of the nail. This one, we actually do have an alternate uh, location where it's more on that hairy region of the big toe. So I think this is kind of like um, with the pericardium channel, we said it could be on the corner of the nail or it could be on the tip of the middle finger. That's in the hand Yin pericardium channel. Well, in the foot Yin uh, liver channel with our Jingwell point, we also have two options, either on the corner of the nail or on the big toe. But it is a Jingwell point. Remember, Jingwell points are very good for quickly clearing out excess. A lot of times we'll needle these points or we'll even prick to bleed. So we're physically drawing out some of that excess. And so for liver one, we have a lot of, again, lower jiao symptoms. So we say it regulates qi in the lower jiao, treats shan disorder, this hernia pain, usually due to cold in the liver channel, alleviates pain, treats genitourinary disorders. So we have things like pain, swelling, retraction of the genitals, the different types of Lynn syndrome, painful dribbling urination, um, blood in the urine, and also regulates menses. So we have things like irregular menses, profuse menstrual bleeding, either menorrhagia, where the we have profuse bleeding or bleeding that lasts a long time, or spotting between periods, metrorrhagia, where you might have some spotting around day 14. So again, regulates menstruation. And again, I would say that for, when we talk about Jingwell points, we're usually talking about quickly clearing out excess. So when we talk about these things, I would think about these things as uh, happening because of excess conditions, not necessarily menstruation problems due to liver blood deficiency. There we might go to other points, but here we have a lot of regulating the lower jowl, genitals, urination, and menstruation, usually due to excess. And then very common for uh, Jingwell points is we say they revive consciousness and calm the Shen. So loss of consciousness, epilepsy, fear and fright, mania, depression. And so again, this is a very common function of Jingwell points. We use them to restore consciousness or revive consciousness. Usually we're talking about some sort of wind stroke. So that's very common to Jingwell points. What's a little bit maybe unusual here is usually when you talk about Jingwell points, one of the major functions is it 
treats the opposite end of the channel. So again, when we talked about uh, like lung and large intestine, we had a lot of treating things in the face that treat the opposite end of the channel. We also said Jingwell points are very good for treating fullness below the heart. And you think this would be a big deal because this is the wood point on the wood meridian. You'd think you would see these things, but it turns out for the Jingwell point on the liver channel, we don't really see these things. This Jingwell point is more about treating things in the lower jaw and the lower abdomen. It doesn't treat things in the chest. It doesn't treat things in the face. So that's a little bit unusual for a Jingwell point. So liver one, really more talking about regulating the lower jowl. Liver two is the ying spring fire point. So liver two is between the first and second toes, uh, proximal to the web margin. So a lot of our ying spring points on the foot are just proximal to the web margin. So liver two is a ying spring fire point. What do spring points do? They clear heat. So we're gonna see a lot of clearing heat with liver two all over the liver channel. So we have clears liver fire and descends liver yang. Remember we said the liver has an uprising action. And so if we have too much liver heat, too much liver yang, it can rise upward and cause problems in the face. So headache, dizziness, red eyes, bitter taste in the mouth, tinnitus. Those are all things in the head that there's too much heat, too much yang rising up in the face. We can use liver two to clear out this heat and subdue the liver yang. Uh, spread the liver tea again for liver tea stagnation. So counterflow cold in the four limbs. This is again, the liver belongs to the wood phase. When we say wood, we mean trees. Trees grow upward, but they also spread their branches outward. So the liver is supposed to spread the chi outward into the limbs. If the liver fails to do that, we get cold in the limbs. If you're in herbs, the formula we'd use here is sinisan, frigid extremities powder, and that's when you have cold limbs but a warm core due to stagnation. Propensity to anger, uh, throat obstruction, again, uh, stagnation can cause these emotional problems. Liver channel goes to the throat, so we see throat obstruction associated with liver tea. Extinguishes interior wind. Um, so again, we can have a wind stroke. Contracted sinews can be a wind sign. Deviation of the eyes and mouth sounds like a either Bell's palsy or a post-stroke uh, symptom where we're talking about interior wind. Cools the blood and stops bleeding. Clears damp heat. So again, we're just talking about heat all over the liver channel. So liver two is a ying spring fire point. When you see ying spring fire point, think of clearing heat. Here we're... Uh, I would say we're clearing excess heat. Liver 2 tends to be used for excess conditions. So this is not necessarily liver yin deficiency with liver yang rising, but tends to be used for more excess conditions, excess liver heat. And I would say generally, um, what am I trying to say? This isn't exactly, uh, it's a strong point, or maybe what I mean is this is not a gentle point. This is not something we be like, oh, we want to just gently vent, clear out the heat. This is a more of a, a, a strong, very strong clearing point. So um, I might I might not use this unless we're talking about um, when unless you want to strongly clear the heat. But again, we're talking about all times of heat, uh, liver heat, liver yang rising, things going into the face, uh, heat in the blood causing bleeding, damp heat in the lower jaw. So all types of heat. It's a fire point. It clears heat. 
Liver three, Tai Chong, Supreme Rushing. Liver three is in the hollow, just distal to the junction of the first and second metatarsals. This is a very famous point, a very commonly used point. Um, I might almost say it's overused, but this is a point that you definitely want to know. This is a point that you're going to be needling every day. So the thing about liver three is liver three is a shoe stream point and liver three, because it's on a yin channel, that means it's a yuan source point. And normally what we say about yuan source points is that they're very good for tonifying the organ. At least on yin channels, yuan source points tonify the organ. However, with liver three, I think we could say that, but usually when we think about liver, liver three, we don't necessarily think about tonifying. We tend to think more about the, this first function spreading liver chi, regulating liver chi, moving liver chi, treating symptoms of liver chi stagnation. So things like pain in the lateral costal region, because that's where the liver channel goes. Uh, sighing, again, this could be inability to get a full breath or just, you're sighing a lot, moving that rib side. Irritability, outbursts of anger, be these emotional problems due to liver chi stagnation. Uh, breast distension, so painful or tender breasts, uh, especially before menses. These are just all signs of liver chi stagnation. Liver three, Tai Chong, is very good for treating liver chi stagnation. So the term Chong, that's the same Chong as the Chong Mai. Um, supreme rushing, uh, basically the, the character over there, there's three dots on the side, that means water, and then the part in the middle means center or middle. So sometimes I think of uh, this chong, at least the image I get is like you have water or a moving river, and this is the center of the river where things are moving swiftly, things are moving unimpeded. And so that's when we needle tai chong, liver three, we're gonna get this swift, unimpeded movement, we're gonna move the liver chi. We can also say that it subdues liver yang rising and extinguishes interior wind. So uh, headache, dizziness is uh, that liver yang rising up into the head, tinnitus, things like that. Epistotonos is arched back rigidity, epilepsy, deviation of the eyes and mouth. Again, we're talking about stirring of internal wind. When that liver yang starts to rise hyperactively, it can stir up interior wind and give us those kinds of things. So here, what I think about with liver three is you can say when we talk about the needling, we usually needle it towards kidney one on the bottom of the foot. So kidney one is on the bottom of the foot. It's very good for grounding. So if you're needling this liver three, you can needle towards kidney one and kind of access that grounding, pulling the chi downward, anchoring and settling that liver yang rising. And that's something we can use liver three for as well. And I would say, side note, this is not from a textbook. This is just something weird that I do in my own personal experience. There are certain times when I want to needle kidney one on a patient, but I don't want to needle kidney one. Like it's a very sensitive point. Maybe they're new to acupuncture and I don't want to start out with needling directly into kidney one because it can be very intense, very painful. So sometimes what I'll do in that situation is I'll needle liver three towards kidney one and it's kind of like you're accessing kidney one from the other side through liver three and that can give us um, kind of this dual effect of where 
grounding things, we're pulling things out of the head, we're subduing that liver yang rising, basically stuck a need we stuck a needle in the bottom of the foot and that pulls things downward. But then we're also getting that that movement and that rushing of opening up the free flow. So maybe that can help you think of this grounding thing as we're needling towards kidney one, we're needling towards the bottom of the foot and that will pull things down and subdue that liver yang. And then, yes, we do say it nourishes liver blood and liver yin because this is a yuan source point. And so, yes, technically we can use this point for both excess and deficiency as kind of balance between the two. Liver two, more about excess. Liver three, more about excess or deficiency, depending on how we needle it. And we can do it. Honestly, I think maybe when it comes to tonifying yin and blood, we might have better points. I might uh, go to points like spleen six to tonify yin, tonify blood, because that's a crossing point on the liver channel. But technically, we can do it through liver three because it's a yuan source point. And then again, we have a lot of regulating the, the lower jowl. So uh, menstruation problems, amenorrhea, irregular menstruation, all types of bleeding. Uh, also, urination problems, just because the liver channel goes to the lower jowl. We also see um, stiff low back. So remember when we talked about our liver channel pathology, we did say low back pain or stiff low back. This is another one. And I'm assuming this is just by, by virtue of governing free coursing, we can help with some of that stiffness contraction of the sinews, including the low back. So liver three, very big point, very important point. We say it's a yuan source point, so it should tonify. But honestly, I would think of the main function here as moving liver chi and subduing that liver yang rising. Oh, we can also say that liver three is one of Madan Yang's heavenly star points. So if you remember in the very beginning when we talked about categories, we talked about Madan Yang's heavenly star points, the ode to the heavenly stars, that these were the, the group of points that Ma Dan Yang thought were the most important. He thought these points were so good, he wrote a song about them. So in his song, he was like, there are so many points on the channels, just like there are many stars in the sky. But honestly, it's better to know a few points really well. That's better than knowing a lot of points kind of crappily. So if you're going to know a few points really well, these are the 12 or 13 points you should know. And for liver three, we in that song, we say it's good for epilepsy. So again, extinguishing internal wind. Legs unable to walk, so spasm and contraction of the sinews. The seven types of Shan disorder, so inguinal uh, pain, hernia pain. This is great. Unilateral sagging and swelling of the testicle. So if you have one testicle that's swelling and hanging lower, Maybe you can needle liver three and it'll fix it. Let me know how that works for you. And then cloudy vision, because again, the, the liver channel goes to the eye. So that's something we can say about liver three is it's a Ma Dong Yang heavenly star point. And again, liver three, you're going to see come up very famously in this point pair we call four gates. Si Guan, four gates. It's a combination of liver three plus Li4. These are both Yuan source points. You're using the Yuan source point on the foot Jue Yin channel, and you're using the Yuan source point on the hand Yang Ming channel. And they're kind of mirror images. So that uh, liver three is between the first and second metatarsals. 
LI4 is between the first and second metacarpals, so they're kind of like mirror images. And they're very good for moving chi. And so this is a very famous combination. I would say almost too famous. Uh, a lot of people just go to four. They don't think very much about their diagnosis, and they just automatically go to four gates. But it is good for moving chi. Because liver three is, again, very good for moving qi. LI4, the Yangming channel, is full of qi and blood, so it tends towards stagnation, so we can use them together. This was first given to us in the book The Ode to Elucidate Mysteries, I believe. And I would just say that generally, I think uh, Wang Juyi talks about this point combination too. I, I think this was originally used for just more like wind and especially wind in the face, but now people just use it for all types of liver chi stagnation. But uh, but again, think about like wind in the face, things coming up into the face. Um, uh, we talked about like a, a Bell's palsy, TMJ, eye problem stuff in the face. And so LI4 is good for, is the command point of the face. Liver three is good for bringing things downward. So originally that what, that's what it was for, but now people you just use four gates for all types of chi stagnation. Maybe it's a good idea or maybe it's overused and you need to think a little bit more. Liver four is the Jing River and metal point. Liver four is located around the ankle uh, just medial, uh, medial to the tibialis anterior tendon. So, uh, liver four and spleen five are very close to each other. They're both, uh, Jing River metal points. Here, honestly, not very much exciting. Spreads liver chi in the lower jowl and clears heat, uh, due to stagnation in the channel. So again, we're just talking about a lot of lower jowl problems. So, pain and retraction of the genitals, hypogastric pain, so lower abdominal pain or pain in the abilicus. Again, Shan disorder, that hernia pain because of the inguinal area. Pain and swelling in the lower abdomen. So not a lot, I feel like not a lot stands out here. Again, usually when we talk about um, metal uh, Jing River points, we're talking about things with the sinews, things with the... Uh, tendons, things that manifest as changes in the voice, and we don't really see any of that here. So I'd say liver four, at least in TCM, is maybe not a commonly used point. Maybe if you're in five-element acupuncture or Japanese-style acupuncture, they use a little bit more. But when you when you look at these classical uh, indications, it's just kind of a lot of the same. So maybe not a, a super big point, in my opinion. Liver five is a point I really like. I feel like uh, people need to use this point more. People are using liver three too much. There are a lot of times I like to use liver five instead. To so liver five, the goal, Wormwood Canal. This is the Luo connecting point, and here we're on the medial leg, five tsun above the ankle. And so this is the Lowell connecting point. Remember what we said, like Lowell connecting points are good for disorders along the Lowell connecting channel. Where does the Lowell connecting channel of the liver go? It goes up the leg and goes to the genitals and stops there. So we're going to see a lot of benefiting the genitals, benefiting the lower jowl. So moves liver chi and benefits the genitals for itching, swelling, and pain of the genitals, sudden swelling and pain of the testicles, incessant erection. Remember when we talked about those excess and deficiency conditions of the liver channel, one of them was priapism or incessant erection.
And I'm just thinking about like, like an erection. It's like that erection, it's a bit incessant. Like you need to calm yourself down with that incessant erection. So liver five going to the genitals. Clears damp heat from the lower jaw. So again, this itching uh, and swelling can also be just due to, it can be either due to liver chi stagnation or due to damp heat. Then again, a lot of other lower jaw stuff with menstruation and urination. So difficult urination, irregular menstruation, leucorrhea. And so again, here I think of the liver wool connecting channel goes up the leg, goes to the genitals and stops there. So I think about um, a lot of genital issues. One of the things we can think about is maybe the name of this point is Wormwood Canal. Um, now, if you remember, if you're, if you're also studying herbs, you might remember that we have certain herbs that we say have this action of killing parasites. And it turns out when we say killing parasites, we actually mean two things. We can mean real parasites or intestinal parasites like roundworm, tapeworm, pinworm. But we can also say parasites. This can also mean things like fungal infection or itching of the skin. So we have certain herbs that are good for killing parasites or treating damp heat, but we're really treating fungal infections or itchiness of the skin. Some of these herbs we can even use as like uh, externally as a wash or a douche. So if we have some uh, damp heat, itchiness, itchiness of the genitals, we can use those herbs uh, as a wash to help with that itchiness of the genitals. And so basically that's what makes me, that's what I think of when I see this name worm or woodworm canal. I, the woodworm makes me think of parasites and not necessarily parasites like uh, actual worms, but here parasites like fungal infections, things going on in your genitals. So a lot of damp heat in your genitals, itching, swelling, and pain of the genitals. Again, that's where the liver channel goes. That's where the liver low channel goes. That's where all the liver channel goes. So very good for genital issues. It makes me. I had a. I had one patient come in. Uh, she was actually um, somebody. I, somebody I knew from school, but she came to see me, and she and was like, "Okay, what's your chief complaint?" And she was like, "My lip is swollen." And I looked at her like, "Really?" It's like it looks fine to me. Like, which which lip are you talking about? And she said, "The left one." And so uh, then she was like, like "Oh," it was like uh, like. Do you want to see it? I'm like, no, I think that's fine. I don't necessarily need to see it. I'll take your word for it. But her, one of her lips was swollen. And so when we talk about swelling and pain of the genitals, that was a point that I used was liver five because the liver wall connecting channel goes to the genitals and it's good for that type of swelling. And we also see interesting here, treats plum pit chi, plum pit chi or my huh, chi, uh, plumpet chi or plumstone chi. This is a condition in the throat. Remember, the liver channel goes to the throat. And this is often described as you feel like you have something stuck in the throat. We usually say you feel like you have a piece of raw meat that's stuck in the throat but can't be swallowed. So you might, this is actually a very common thing. When, when somebody first described me, plumpet chi, I was like, that's never going to happen. It's actually really common that people will come in and they'll say, oh, I feel like I have something stuck in my throat. I feel like there's something there that I can't swallow. You look in there, there's nothing there that is plum pit chi. We can say this is due to liver chi stagnation, or we can say this is a form of insubstantial phlegm, 
or I mean, really we could say it's both. It's kind of like when the liver chi is not moving, the fluids are not moving and that can congeal into phlegm, but this here, it's a type of insubstantial phlegm. When you look there, there's nothing there. And that is called plum pit chi. And so, um, plum pit chi, this feeling of something that can't be swallowed. And it usually happens with emotional things. So depression, fear and fright, uh, worry and oppression. And so this is usually when we see this plump at chi happening is there's usually some emotional factor driving it that um, they're worried or they're depressed or they have a lot of emotions that they can't express. And because they can't properly express their emotions, um, either because usually because it's like it's not socially acceptable, you can't just like bitch about your coworkers. Sometimes you have to keep it to yourself if you don't want to get fired. They can't express their emotions and that causes the chi to stagnate and you might get this feeling in your throat of something that can't be swallowed. So that's plum pit chi. And maybe another way we can think about this is when we talked about wool connecting points, one of the things we said is they treat certain psycho-emotional disorders. And so maybe we can connect that to our treating plump at chi, that this is usually an emotional disorder. When, we're, when we have these emotions or we can't express these emotions, it stagnates the chi, and we end up with plump at chi. So liver five or plump at chi. So that's what I think about is a wormwood canal. You got some worms in your genitals. You got some damp heat itching in your general genitals. You got some fungus infection or some... Uh, herpes, dampness in your genitals, liver five goes to the genitals. Also good for emotional things like plum pit chi. After that, liver six. Uh, liver six is the chi cleft point. Here we're seven tsun above the medial malleolus. So liver five and liver six are right next to each other, two tsun apart. Uh, liver six is the she cleft point. And again, you would think that this would be a big deal that when you talk about she cleft points, we usually say she cleft points are good for acute conditions and pain. When we talk about she cleft on points on the yin channels, we say they have an additional action of doing something with the blood, either invigorating blood, uh, stop cooling the blood or stopping bleeding something with the blood. It turns out we don't really see that very much here that liver six is just not a very big or important point. I mean, when we're reading through Deadman, usually for each chi cleft point, he has this function moderates acute conditions. We don't even have that moderates acute conditions here. So liver six, even though it's a chi cleft point, we really don't see a lot of, a lot of stuff happening. Moves liver chi and regulates the lower jowl. Yeah, we have a bunch of other points that do that. Shan disorder, low abdominal pain, uterine bleed, regulates blood um, so that blood stasis and, and pain, drains dampness. Really not a whole lot exciting. I would say clinically, I don't see this point used very often. We don't see it coming up in classical point combinations very much. So it sounds like the she cleft point should be a big deal. So maybe if you have some um, acute conditions or acute excess or pain along the liver channel, maybe you'd go to liver six. I'm not sure it's... Um, a huge point. Liver seven, knee gate. This is one tsun posterior to spleen nine. So we're up on the knee, spleen nine, just come one soon back. This is called knee gate or knee pass. Get what, guess what this point does? It's good for the knee. So it dispels wind dampness. We're talking about like B syndrome is dispel wind dampness and benefits the knee. This point is on the knee, it's good for the knee. So swelling and pain of the knee, pain on the inner aspect of the knee, 
B syndrome in the knee, like this external contraction of wind, cold, damp in the knee. So I wouldn't think too much harder about that, that liver seven is on the knee. It's good for the knee. I will say there are a couple of interesting things that come up in Deadman um, that you may be like, what does that mean? Because sometimes he names certain uh, Chinese diseases, but then he doesn't really explain them. So one he talks about here is crane's knee wind. This is swelling of the knee with emaciation of the lower leg. So your knee gets red and swollen, but then your calf kind of gets emaciated. And I guess that's, you look like a crane walking around with skinny little legs, but really swollen knees. And so that was something that was described by uh, Zhang Zhongjing in the Jingwei Yalue. And he said, this is, um, actually, I might be thinking of the other one. Um, but yeah, that's crane's knee. White tiger joint wind pain. This is the one that uh, was from Zhang Zhongjing in the Jingwei Yalue. This is redness and swelling of the joints. And basically this, when he was describing this condition, it, he called it white tiger joint wind or white tiger running joint pain because it could affect a lot of joints at once. But this is specifically a condition of an external contraction of wind cold damp that was then turning into heat. So you had this complex heat cold condition, but you had this redness swelling and heat that looked like hot bee, but it was originally a wind cold damp thing. So again, those are just... That's just something that Deadman mentions these two terms and doesn't really explain them. If you want to know more, you can look in your Nigel Weissman uh, Practical Dictionary of Chinese Medicine, and he explained those a little bit more. But basically, the gist of this is liver seven is on the knee. It's good for the knee. Liver eight, uh, liver eight, pool spring. Liver eight is a Hsi water point. Chu Chuan sounds like we're talking about water, so that's convenient. Uh, just superior to the needle end of the popliteal crease, anterior to the tendons, semimembranosa, and semitendinosus. So if you remember, kidney 10 is at the, I'm like pointing to my knee, like under the desk, and you can't see what I'm pointing to, but it's like a kidney 10 is between the two tendons, liver eight is just in front of the two tendons. So we're, we're right around kidney 10. And we're right around all of these Hussey water points. So kidney 10 is a Hussey water point, liver 8 is a water point, and spleen 9 is also in that area a Hussey water point. And so this point is very good for damp, dampness or damp heat in the lower jowl. So a lot of these water points are good for dampness or damp heat. So we have benefits the bladder and genitals, clears damp heat from the lower jowl, and then also some mensy stuff. So again, swelling and itching, itching of the genitals because you got damp heat in your genitals, pain in the genitals, impotence, difficult urination because you have a damp heat pathogen blocking the smooth flow of urine, or you have liver chi stagnation that the UB can't properly transform and create smooth urine. So we have a lot of damp heat in the lower jowl. So maybe what you can think of is we can kind of relate this to spleen 9. Remember, spleen 9 is a very important point for dampness. Spleen 9 is a hussy water point. But with spleen 9, we're talking more about dampness in the spleen. Liver 8 is right nearby. It's also a hussy water point. But here we're talking about dampness in the lower jowl. So maybe that's something you can think of is liver 8 is very close to spleen 9. They're both very good for dampness. Just one is more spleen dampness. Liver 8 is more 
dampness in the lower jowl. Also, speaking of lower jowl, we have invigorates blood and regulates menstruation. So abdominal masses in women due to blood stasis, painful periods due to blood stasis, infertility due to blood stasis, amenorrhea, your period isn't there because you got blood stasis. So that's another thing we can think about is uh, very good for blood stagnation or blood stasis in the lower jowl. And then this is kind of interesting. We have this other function, nourishes blood and yin. And this is kind of interesting. Kind of the reason we say that is, remember the liver is wood. This is the water point. Water is the mother of wood. So that makes us the tonification point. And so theoretically, we should be able to use liver eight to tonify the liver, tonify liver yin and tonify liver blood. The thing is, there, there are certain modern practitioners who are really into this idea. I've seen a lot of Japanese-style practitioners who are really into liver 8 for tonifying blood because it's the tonification point. I think when we look classically at some of our indications and classically at some of the point combinations and point prescriptions we see come up, we don't see a lot of this nourishes blood and yin. So this is something that uh, I think the way Deadman words it is different practitioners will... Uh, attach a different amount of importance to, the, to this function. Does liver 8 actually nourish blood? So this is something you may see in clinic a lot, that people are using liver 8 to tonify liver blood. I'm not sure there's a lot of backup for that in terms of classical point indications or classical point combinations. So personally, I would go ahead and do this, but I would just make sure that you combine it with other points that either tonify yin or tonify blood. So I wouldn't rely solely on liver 8. I might combine it with things like spleen 6 or other things that are good for tonifying blood. So by and large, even though it is the tonification point and it may have some action of nourishing blood and yin for liver 8, I would think dampness in the lower jowl and blood stagnation. This just occurred to me. Maybe you can think that liver 8 is very close to spleen 10, shui. I'm looking at the wrong camera. Spleen 10, shui high. Um, sea of blood, which is also very good for blood stagnation. So again, these two points are right next to each other. They're both good for blood stagnation. After that, as, as it commonly goes, the points get a lot less interesting. When we're going up the arm, the points below the elbow are usually very interesting. They have a lot of categories. They uh, have very specific functions. Once we get above the elbow, not a whole lot interesting happens. Like, what does, what does LI13 do? I don't know. It's just on the arm, and it's good for the arm. We kind of have the same thing here with the liver channel. Once we get above the knee, the points get a lot less interesting. Basically, they're on the leg, and they're good for the lower jowl. So we're going to see a lot of uh, regulates menses, benefits the uterus, regulates the lower jowl. So liver 9, four soon above liver 8, and it regulates menses. It's good for menstruation problems, irregular menstruation, difficult urination. I feel like we have other points I would go to first. Liver 10, three soon below stomach 30. So we're kind of on the upper leg of the border of adductor longus. Clears damp heat and benefits the lower jowl. So again, this is like right, this is kind of close to your genitals, close to your lower jowl. It's good for the lower jowl. So difficult urination, retention of urination, itching of the genitals. Again, for this there, I might go to other points first. We have other points that are easier to get to with this function. 
I think what's interesting about the name of this is Leg 5 Miles, and it seems like that should be a big deal, because we talk about Stomach 36's Zusan Lee Leg 3 Miles. It's, it's really good for tonifying. If you get so tired and you can't go anymore, Needle Stomach 36, you'll be able to walk another 3 miles. You would think that Liver 10 Leg 5 Miles, this would be like 67% better than Stomach 36, but it really turns out we don't. We don't really use that. So leg five miles. Not sure why it has that name, but we don't we don't needle that one. So you can walk five miles. So it's uh it's next to the genitals. It's next to the lower jaw. It's good for the lower jaw. Liver eleven, same sort of area. Too soon below stomach thirty, and again benefits the uterus. So it's next to the lower jaw. It's good for the lower jaw. Liver twelve, GMI urgent pulse. Again, this one is right in the inguinal crease, so it's right next to uh, the lower jaw, so it's good for the lower jaw. Pain in the genitals, swelling of the testicles, uterine prolapse, and then um, hypogastric pain, so lower abdominal pain, Shan disorder. Basically, in Shan disorder, we're, we might be talking about inguinal hernia. This point is in the inguinal crease, so it makes sense. Just the thing to be careful of. The name of this point is Urgent Pulse. Probably the reason it has that name is because it's right next to the femoral artery and femoral vein. So this one you need to be very careful about needling because you don't want to puncture that femoral artery. So again, uh, liver 12, it's in the inguinal crease. It's good for things around the inguinal crease like Shawn disorder or menstruation. Once we get onto the abdomen, it gets a little bit more interesting. Liver 3 is... Uh, the front move point of the spleen and the Hui gathering point of the yin organ, the zong. It's on its anterior and inferior to the free end of the 11th rib. And this, I should probably do a point location video on this because this is one that a lot of people have difficulty finding. So if you want to find the free end of the 11th rib, to get in the general vicinity, it's going to be on the mid-axillary line on the mid-axillary line, roughly level with Ren 9. So if you come one soon above the umbilicus and then have that where it intersects with the mid-axillary line, that's going to give you the free end of the 11th rib. Again, a lot of people have trouble with this. They start they start palpating up here and they, they feel something up here and they think this is the 11th rib. And it's like, no, that's just your costal cartilage. The 11th rib is... Um, on the mid-axillary line. Sometimes people get down here and they think that this is the 12th rib. I'm like, no, the 12th rib is on your back. If I want to needle your uh, uh, gallbladder front move point, it's actually on the back. I would have to have you lie face down. The 11th rib is right here. Anyway, liver 13 is good because it is the front move point of the spleen. So we're going to see it does a lot of spleen things. So regulates liver chi, fortifies the spleen, and harmonizes the liver and spleen. So again, this is a very common thing. We see this pattern of liver overacting on spleen or wood-earth disharmony, that the liver and spleen have a relationship along the cycle, the controlling cycle. And what often will happen is instead of nicely controlling the spleen, the spleen will get angry and overact or over control the spleen. So this is a very common pattern of liver excess plus spleen deficiency. And that's what we're going to see here is that we can use liver 13 either to treat liver excess, so liver chi stagnation, or we can use it to treat spleen deficiency because it's the front move of the spleen. Uh, a lot of digestion problems, 
or we can use it to treat both at the same time, liver overacting on spleen. So propensity to anger, distension, and pain of the abdomen, borborygmus, your intestines are rumbling, diarrhea and loss of appetite, and constipation. So I think I think Deadman had like some huge list of indications and I just kind of went with those that he said in the commentary that these are some classic signs of liver overacting on spleen. I'd say one of our, our biggest one is we talk about alternating constipation and diarrhea. So when the liver is overactive and you got the stagnation, you got constipation. When the liver finally releases, then you got the spleen sheet deficiency causes diarrhea. So you have alternating constipation and diarrhea. So again, uh, this one can be used either for just spleen deficiency, even if you don't have uh, liver problems, you just want to tonify the spleen, you can use liver uh, 13. If you want to regulate liver chi and you don't don't have any spleen problems, you can just use liver 13 to regulate liver chi, or we can use it for a combination when we have both liver overacting on spleen. And and then we also said it's the whey gathering point. Um, I feel like this one, we have a couple different translations. We can say the eight influential points, the eight gathering points, or the eight meeting or accumulation points. Um, We're talking about these eight points that have something to do with the tissue. So we talk about the Huey gathering point of the uh, sinews as gallbladder 34, the gathering point of the bones as UB11. We also have a gathering point of the yin organs. And so that's when we say the Huey gathering point of the zong we're talking about, we can affect all of the yin organs through this point. And then maybe something else we'll point out here interesting is this is uh, specifically indicated for running piglet or running piglet chi. In Chinese, this is bentun, running piglet. This is, again, described by uh, Zhong Zhongjing, and it's this feeling of something that starts in the lower abdomen and rushes upwards towards the heart. Um, it's usually accompanied by, it might be caused by fear or fright. It's usually accompanied by intense anxiety, this feeling of something rushing up the heart. Most people think he was probably talking about an anxiety attack, that this feeling of stuff coming up with intense anxiety, we're talking about an anxiety attack. But, but usually our two possibilities for this are you can have some kidney deficiency or you can have some liver chi stagnation. When that stagnates, it might suddenly burst and erupt upward. So that's just another indication for liver 13 is this running piglet. But for liver 13, I would think of liver overacting on spleen. And finally, our last point is liver 14, cycle gate, chi men, cycle gate. So this is where... Uh, the, the flow of qi ends and it goes back to lung one to begin again. So through that whole cycle, lung, large intestine, stomach, spleen, heart, SIUB, kidney, pericardium, sandra, gallbladder, liver, and then back to lung. This is where the qi goes from liver back to lung and the cycle starts over. Uh, in the sixth intercostal space, four soon lateral to the midline. So um, the fifth intercostal space is right below the breast. The sixth one is one down or it's about level with REN14. Or there's an alternate um, location here. Sometimes you'll see especially five element people. They'll, they'll come along the ribs and you'll kind of feel a little bit notch here, but it's basically four soon lateral to the midline on the lower border of the ribs. And so there you have two 
Um, kind of, I think the, the six, six intercostal space is more of a standard one, but if you see some five element, uh, J.R. Worsley practitioners, they might needle liver 14 below the ribs. Anyway, regulates liver chi. So, um, oh, this is the front move point of the liver. So again, we're going to see a lot of just, uh, helping the liver, helping the liver zong, the liver organ. So we regulate liver chi, distension in the hypochondria. Sighing, breast distension, because we're right next to the breast, but these are just signs of liver chi stagnation. Invigorates blood and disperses masses. This is the liver governing free coursing. Um, and then important, I think the, the important one here is harmonizes liver and stomach. So for liver 13, we said harmonizes liver and spleen. For liver 14, we say harmonizes liver and stomach. So first of all, how do you remember these two? Well, the way I would remember it is liver 13 is the front move point of the spleen. So that means it's good for liver and spleen. Liver 14 is not the front move point of the spleen. So it's good for liver and stomach. So the one that's the front move point of the spleen is good for liver overacting on spleen. The one that's not is liver overacting on stomach. This is the front move point of the liver. So, so we need to remember which is which. Then the next question is, what's the difference? Because usually we just talk about liver overacting on spleen or wood earth disharmony. What's the difference between liver overacting on spleen versus liver overacting on stomach? Well, I would think about it this way in terms of direction. Remember, normally the stomach is supposed to down bear the food into the small intestine and the spleen is supposed to raise the clear yang or the clear chi. And so when the liver starts to overact, you start to get um, things are going the wrong direction. So liver overacting on spleen, our key symptom is alternating constipation and diarrhea. For liver overacting on stomach, our key symptom is rebellious stomach cheese. So that's why we see things like epigastric distension, hiccup, belching, vomiting, um, hardness of the epigastrium. This is sometimes we say... When the liver is excess, it tends to move horizontally and invade the stomach. And so now the liver can't properly move its chi downwards, so it rebels back upward. So uh, harmonizes liver and stomach is going to be a rebellious stomach chi. Then again, we have running piglet. So that's what I would remember about these two is once we get on to the um, abdomen, we have... Um, Liver 13 is liver overacting on spleen, but also just spleen things because it's the front move of the spleen. Liver 14 is going to be liver overacting on stomach, so rebellious stomach chi, but also just liver things because it's the front move of the liver. And that is it for the foot Yin liver channel. So thank you for being here. We'll see you in the next one.